Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, the podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I just learned I've been mispronouncing Nissan my whole life. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Only if you're British. Um, <laughs> all I want in life is for David Harbour to tell me, you did good today, kid. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Those are, of course, all... <laughs> that was the first sound effect intro. That's Jeff's uh, demo tape to become a sound effects uh, voice. <laughs> the next yes. like, robot voice is, in Star I Wars. Yes. I know that's pole position, but <laughs> yeah, still, you know. Uh, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Neil Blomkamp's new movie, Gran Turismo. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com and find us on all of your favorite platforms at the Filmcast Pod. We're posting videos on Instagram and threads every single day. Uh, Today on the podcast, we got a little bit of film news, some corrections to make from last week, as well as some what we've been watching before we get to our Gran Turismo conversation. I also want to make an announcement about what's going on next week. Uh, So next week is Labor Day, and we are planning to take that week off. We're not going for, for the first time in a really long time. None of us are going to watch a new movie to review on the podcast. However, there is going to be a very special treat. Um... William Friedkin recently passed away, and I have personally been going through a lot of his movies, uh, watched To Live and Die in L.A. recently, watched Sorcerer recently, and uh, he's one of the greatest, one of the greats, one of the great filmmakers of our time. Um, So one thing we're going to do is we are going to re-air a conversation that Devinder Hardwar and I had with Vincenzo Natale around nine years ago. to talk about Sorcerer, which at that time had just been released on Blu-ray for the first time, mm-hmm. if I recall. The first correctly. time like most people or many people have had a chance to see it too, because it wasn't like widely released, I think, for yeah. a while. It was hard now, to get. Yeah. Thankfully, now you can go to you can get it on digital, you mm-hmm. can get a Blu-ray for it. Uh, but yeah, we are going to re-air that conversation. Uh, there was a time between when Adam Quigley was our third co-host and when Jeff Kanata was our third co-host, uh, what I like to call uh, the the interregnum. You know, that interregnum period. And so during that that brief, beautiful interregnum, uh, (laughs) Devinger and I recorded this conversation. We were free. We were totally free. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, But uh, we had a really great chat with Vincenzo Tully. Now, what we're all going to do is Devinger and I are going to actually re-listen to the episode and then provide a little bit of commentary before and after that conversation. Um, Commentary on the commentary. Who does that? That's exactly you right. Yeah. So we're going to do we commentary. We do, that's who. <laughs> that's and by who. we, I mean you guys. I'll be off. It's called recycling <laughs> content, guys. Remember the content mines? Yeah. This is, yeah, we're just in the content mines. Indeed. So uh, look forward to that. I think it'll be a, a fun chat as well as a commentary about the chat. Uh, and you can prepare for it by watching Sorcerer. And also uh, curious to, to hear if people enjoy it. So like, let us know what you think if you want us to do stuff like that again in the future. Slash filmcast at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, we, that's that's the plan for next week, and we hope everyone has a restful Labor Day holiday. Uh, okay, one other thing I wanted to mention before we get to a little bit of film news, and that is, uh, you know, so, most of the time, I would say our accuracy level on this podcast is 100%. We never miss. Uh, it is unblemished yeah. by any errors of any kind, right? That's kind of... Sorry, this... Uh... Just getting notification that that in itself is in fact an error. David. Really? Are you sure about that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. I'm not sure, Jeff. It you turns look out. Into that. But anyway, um, most of the time we make absolutely no pro- no errors of any kind. It just turns out last week 
we made a ton of them. We made a ton of errors. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to correct a bunch of them. Thank you mm-hmm. all for writing in the slash from catchgmail.com. Thanks for commenting in the Slack. Thanks for DMing me on Instagram and letting us know about all the errors we made last week. So I'm just going to go through all the errors really quick. Uh, first of all, last week I said or implied or indicated that episodes of the Apple TV Plus series The After Party are closer to one hour long per episode. That is not true. While the uh, <laughs> They just feel like one hour long to you. <laughs> <laughs> while the season premieres and some episodes are a little bit long, most of mm-hmm. them are closer to 30 minutes. So sorry about that. I also said that Old Boy was in theaters in limited release for one weekend only um, from Neon. That's actually not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true for it's me. It's in very limited theaters yeah, after true, that first week. It's true for yes. me, you know, in Seattle, but mm-hmm. uh, where, uh, like, none of my AMCs were playing it after the first weekend. Um, but it, it, it is, in fact, still possible to watch Old Boy in a theater right now as we speak. Uh, but as you said, Devendra, it is limited. But I, I was thinking, There's, yeah. like, one theater within 50 miles of me playing it right now. But hey, that's something, if you missed it. Yeah. Uh, last week, we talked about Blue Beetle, the uh, new DC superhero film that's out in theaters. The main actor in the film, his name is Sholo Maridueña. Sholo Maridueña. I, I said Zolo. It's uh, spelled X-O-L-O, but it's pronounced Sholo. My bad for mispronouncing that. Also, last well, week, Dave, pod- you know, you can make mistakes because you only live once. <laughs> what? Not, well, now you're going to take that easy joke. No, we're just going <laughs> to move right past it because we're yeah. better than that, Jeff. I know. I know we are because Dave is also better than uh-huh, that, uh-huh. better than any kind of silly mistake. Uh, last week, Jeff Kanata talked about the Humble Bundle. He said it was pay whatever you want. It actually does have an aluminum price if you want all of the. Uh, the books that he was talking about. What is the series of books, Jeff, again? The Malazan Books of the Fallen. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, there's tiered pricing for, it's still much less than you would buying all the books right. all, all them yeah. all together. Yeah. I also got the percentage of uh, how much goes to charity wrong. But uh, still, I stand by the fact that it is both a good deal and benefits uh, a, a charity in some small way. So check it out. You can actually shift how much your money goes to charity, et cetera, et cetera. So check out the Humble Bundle slash books to get in on that Malazan Books of the Fallen. Yes. Uh, even if I didn't get the details just right. Yes. I, I noticed, Jeff, you always got to offer a little caveat for those. I'm, I'm willing to just eat shit completely and say I was, I was wrong, but there's always got to be a little caveat on those things, huh? Um, well, I, <laughs> I just don't want people to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's, That's all I'm saying. That's it's, a good, it's, a good, yes. it's a good deal. and It's both a good deal and uh, something positive in the world, even if it isn't exactly as I... I don't want my mistake to ruin something nice for people. That's, That's extremely fair. That's extremely fair. Uh, and yeah, the, the Humble Bundle is a great institution and a great like deal. So um, anyway, those are corrections from last week. Uh, I made a bunch of them and Jeff made one of them and... Uh, uh, want to correct the record on those things. Thanks to everyone who wrote in to let us know. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we regret the errors. All right. Uh, speaking of things that I feel bad about, Dune 2 has been delayed, guys. Dune 2 was originally supposed to open in November. It was supposed to get five to six weeks of IMAX screens. Yeah, beautiful IMAX time. Jeez. Which have now been given to the Marvels, <laughs> which is another movie that's opening in November of 2023. We think. Um, yeah, at this moment, at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Stay tuned for our correction next week about whether the Marvels is opening in November. I was reading... <laughs> we got to preemptively correct this, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I was um, reading Miles McNutt's newsletter, Episodic Medium, and 
I really appreciated the way he referred to it. He said, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying things like, oh, it's been moved because of the writer's strike. People will say, this has been moved because of the writers and actors strike. Um, and the way he put it was because of the writers and actors necessary action. Yes. Uh, and I'm now I'm like, maybe I should refer to it as a necessary yeah, action. Because job. of the I, studio's delay in, you know, satisfying the needs of creators. Yeah, so, I, yeah. But I don't actually even believe, I don't actually even believe necessarily that this is because of the writers and, and uh, mm-hmm, actors mm-hmm. necessary action. Uh, I honestly don't know why it's going on. My guess is uh, that by shifting it, you know, like all the movies this fall are going to be impacted because uh, of lack of promotional venues because actors aren't promoting films there's no late night shows yes, and so on there's, yes. no, there's no snl that, that can be hosted and so on to me that um, is the thing that pe- that people are pointing to when they're trying to blame the the protests and everything right but like why but but the thing that completely baffles about this decision is they they have not moved aquaman to uh yet because that movie doesn't yet, exist yeah you know <laughs> aquaman 2 theoretically coming out in december of 2023 uh-huh. they have said that they're not moving it but there has not been a single piece of marketing for aquaman 2 yet uh there have mm-hmm, been i think mm-hmm. at least two dune 2 trailers including an imax trailer empire just had a cover issue all of these things have the date of dune 2 release on it and they're moving dune 2 meanwhile yeah. Theoretically, keeping Aquaman 2 on the calendar, uh, not a single piece of Aquaman 2 marketing out in the world right now. That, so my my bafflement only applies if Aquaman 2 keeps its release date. If Aquaman moves as well, then it all kind of makes sense. Um, but I was going to say, in addition to, to lack of um, promotion, you know, uh, my guess is it, there's a some financing component to it. Like you got to smooth out your releases throughout the year so that you like take in revenues during certain times of the year that you expect to, and so on. That's my guess. I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but this seems like a huge. I L how not me. done it is. Uh, how not done Dune Two is. You mean? Yeah, I mean, it's a, there's certainly a possibility that it needs reshoots, and they can't. They can't. Yeah, it's but. That's anything true. is possible anything it, it, it we don't know it does that's the key yeah, yeah. you haven't seen the trailer jeff but it does look very complete you know, and I know that's, that's not an indi- you're right like it very possibly yeah. could not be complete right yeah um but it does look like it's done they're definitely you know? giving us some meaty scenes in those trailers, yeah so yeah. but you know uh, maybe they they this will give them some extra time to work on vfx it's very possible jeff that um they need to work on some component of it whether it be vfx or uh reshoots and then the strike gives a, a quote unquote excuse to delay it, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that would but, be my guess, but yeah, very possible. that's just speculation. Very possible. This is all just speculation, but yeah. uh, I am very bummed because I was really looking forward to Dune 2. Uh, and I hope that uh, the actors and writers get a fair contract and that the AMPTP can actually stop being mm-hmm. bad at negotiating and get everyone back to work. Uh, but anyway, Dune 2, March of 2024 is the new date. Uh, so that is what has been going on in the world right now. All right. Let's talk about some things that we have been watching this week. I had a chance to watch Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Have you guys heard of this movie? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'd love this to see is it. one of the best reviewed films of 2023. Uh, and it did pretty well when it was out in theaters earlier this year. Uh, it is based on, it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is based off of Judy Bloom's seminal novel. And at the time, it was pretty revolutionary because it features its uh, protagonist, 
questioning their religion, questioning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what they believe about God. One of their parents is Jewish, another parent is uh, has Christian roots, and she kind of navigates that whole thing. And uh, I am someone who has really questioned my own faith and rethought my faith journey a lot. And watching uh, her story uh, was really edifying. You know, it's uh, it's really something that uh, I, I related with a lot. And so um, that's one of the many things about this movie. And of course, Judy Bloom's novel that I thought was pretty great. Anyway, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, available right now on Video On Demand. Uh, and I hope this heralds the return or the launching of a Bloomissance. Uh, because not very many of Judy Bloom's novels have been sure. made into films, and wasn't there just a Judy Bloom thing recently? Wasn't there? Wasn't there like a biopic about her or something? Like that? I'm misremembering it, perhaps, but I feel like she's. I feel like the sans is not starting now. I feel like we're in the in mid sans. Yeah, we're in mid sans. Judy there Bloom was Judy forever. forever. There's a documentary yeah. about, uh, called Judy Bloom Forever. See, uh, I knew it. I was not an idiot. I remembered a little <laughs> bit something there. You at least you definitely got the name of the writer correctly, unlike me potentially in an alternate take that was cut. Um, but yeah, I uh, it, it was interesting. I read a profile of Judy Bloom recently, and how uh, basically uh, a lot of people believe that her work would eventually be made into films, uh, and they just haven't been in charge in the movie industry until now, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not until recently when those people have had the power to get things made. And so I do think we'll see more works based on the Judy Blooms stuff in the future, but we'll see. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. It's available right now on video on demand. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more right after this. Okay. uh, Divin your hardware. Hit us up with something you've been watching. Yeah. I checked out the first two episodes of Ahsoka, the new star Wars series on Disney plus. And, uh, you you know, guys, I have complex feelings about this because I I think this series, at least from these episodes we've seen so far and these characters, um, I I didn't watch all of the Clone Wars. I did see the Clone Wars movie where Ahsoka was introduced, Ahsoka Tano. Um, I did not watch the Rebels cartoon because the look of that cartoon made me want to tear my eyes out. Um, But it turns out this new series is a direct sequel to Rebels which I think will leave a lot of people adrift, completely adrift, <laughs> because uh, out lost in space, you know, just mm. out there, because it it does nothing to really bring you onto, <laughs> like, the, the character drama and the character motivations and what people are feeling emotionally. Um, at the same time, I think it is, it's pretty decent Star Wars. There, I, I You know, I really like Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, um, and we saw her in a couple episodes in Mandalorian and uh, was it Boba Fett as well? Um, I, I I just love her. I love her presence. So I'm glad she has a time to shine. The other characters here, uh, you know, played by people like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I love. Uh, the late Ray Stevenson, who's the new big bad. And, uh, you know, the, the crew is great. The cast is great. I will admit I watched some recap videos, so I have an idea of what's going on. But man, does this show just not even care to like establish motivations or character dynamics or backgrounds or things that are happening, the things that happened at the end of rebels, which we can talk about at some point, probably in spoilers, but uh, let's just say time travel was involved at one point, like rebels, the cartoon introduced the idea of time travel, or at least uh, moving through the world of space time. And that is why Ahsoka is here now. It's a whole thing. None of that's ever referenced. And uh, in, when we saw her in Mandalorian for the first time, I thought uh, that was a great intro. We knew she was looking for, uh, was it uh, Grand Emperor Thrawn? And her motivation for doing that is unclear. 
it, it's kind of vaguely said here she's looking after she's looking for the main character of rebels who disappeared at the end of rebels along with Thrawn. uh but we don't know who that person is unless you watch rebels so this is a really weird situation but at the same time i have to say it feels more necessary as a show like as a story it's giving me more than boba fett did it's giving me more than the Obi-Wan Kenobi series did, even though I thought some of that was kind of fun. Um, I feel like there is room to do something interesting here. It just feels like this is uh, Dave Filoni's baby. You know, he is the guy who did the cartoon series. I think by all accounts, he's a sort of like successor to George Lucas when it comes to the Star Wars franchise overall, in, in terms of story, at least. And for the past few shows, you know, he was working with John Favreau. The Mandalorian is co- co-created by Favreau and Filoni. And uh, that show, even though it also introduced us to new characters, I think did a good job of bringing people in, right? Because all these characters were new. We didn't know uh, Grogu. We didn't know what baby who Baby Yoda was. When I previewed The Mandalorian, they cut out all the scenes of Baby Yoda. They wanted the entire world to, uh, to experience that character first. This show just feels like um, it is for fans only. And I wonder if it's going to do anything to bring on new people. But again, that's just based on the first two episodes. I assume you guys have seen this. How, what, what are you thinking about the show at this point? Well, I've seen the first two episodes. Jeff, you, you checked it out by any chance? Or Nope. I don't even know who I am anymore. A new Star <laughs> Wars show debuts. Yeah. Who, and I'm who like, are you? Eh, I don't know. I might not yeah. even watch it. Uh, first of all, I, extremely I mean, understandable, Jeff. Yeah, go understandable. Ahead. It makes no sense to me. I don't know. I don't get mm-hmm. it. I don't know why I don't care, but I don't. Well, this is, well, this is a character. Also, all these characters, this is the new generation of kids. This is for kids who grew up with Clone Wars right, and Rebels. Right. And for them, I think they'll f- fully latch on. It's just weird to me um, to to basically have that requirement in there. I realize it is like a sequel to that cartoon series. That cartoon series ended in 2018, right? It ran right. from 2014 to 2018. That was a while ago. I also had issues with The Mandalorian Season 3 basically using the Boba Fett uh, you know, series as sort of like a halfway point to sort of like resolve storylines uh, from the Mandalorian season two, at least those were shows airing concurrently one after another, right? <laughs> uh-huh. you, you end the Mandalorian season two, you probably just start Boba Fett and you watch the star Wars cause it's the star Wars and you eventually get that plot. This is really just for the fans. And I'm hoping, I feel like Dave Filoni is a smart enough storyteller to kind of get general people on board. I'm hoping it does something more to get regular viewers in because uh, it is just kind of like, lifeless if you don't have those uh those character motivations in there if you don't know who these people are and what what they mean to each other the show doesn't really spend a lot of time like delving into that i think that is um a weakness of this thing i've seen the first two episodes of ahsoka and i think you're you're right you know a lot of people have been talking about what you a lot of people have been saying what you're saying Mm -hmm. which is the show does nothing to bring you up to speed really uh, I have a lot of sympathy for the show because, yeah, there's it's hard. One, yeah. 100 plus episodes of stuff that they got to refer back to. And in fact, like basically, there is one character who apparently was a major character in the sh- in the 208 part- episodes, by the way, Dave. Yeah. Just, two, just to be clear. Yeah. Uh, was a major char- the character of Ezra was a major character. He yes. is not seen in the first two episodes of Ahsoka, but he, or not uh, seen physically, but he yes. is. Uh, very important. So you have a lot of people basically talking about how cool yeah. Ezra was 
Gotta get this, we got to get Ezra. That they have to, they, they have to go find this. Whenever this Ezra is not on screen, yeah. someone exactly. should be someone talking, should be talking about, about where's Ezra, asking That's, where Ezra is. I mean, you joke, Jeff, but that is basically what the first two episodes are like. And so it's like I have a lot of sympathy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not actually. Are, are my... you saying we need something better than Ezra, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, had to do it. No, yeah, Jeff. Jeff. Would be, Jeff Kanata would be and is proud. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's actually not really my main problem with the show. You know, sure, like sure. My, my, I, I can get it. I can look past that easily. Yeah. 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 I, I think they actually did like a reasonable job of trying to like welcome in new people and reintroduce all these characters. There was a opening text crawl, Jeff Kanata, which is the like, first time that that's happened in a TV show, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they had, they had like a nice, feels like text- this is important. Right. 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 You know, on that note, Devendra, it's grand Admiral Thrawn, not grand, grand Admiral emperor Thrawn. Thrawn. Yes, 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 um, yes. Sheev Palpatine did not stu- uh, study for years in emperor school for you to just give that title away to other people, you know? Um, the titles but... mean nothing. Nothing <laughs> means anything anymore. I actually remember Thrawn from uh, reading about him in Timothy Zahn's extended yeah. universe Star Wars books. Uh, People don't even kid. freaking understand what that was like. <laughs> well, Jeff, yeah. you, you could get that you could get that feeling back no. in Ahsoka in TV no, form. No, what I'm saying, no, you can't. What but I'm yes. saying is yes, for, for years, there yeah, was ahead, no yeah. Star yeah. Wars. Yes. Yes. There was no Star Wars. Yes. There was no Star Wars being made. There were no new Star Wars. There yeah. were some comic books that came out and they weren't that good. There was, there was no Star Wars. And then this dude got the rights to write Star Wars books that picked up where the mm-hmm. movies left off. And by movies, I mean Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. those, and then we all rushed out and got those books because that was the only way to get new Star Wars stories that could possibly, potentially, tangentially mm-hmm. be canon. It was a I remember, weird time. I remember loving. I remember loving those books, dude. I remember I, like I had the hard copies of those. I, I I think I read them more than once. I I was so into that. Yeah, but it and was like it was like water in a desert. It was yeah. we were yeah. all yeah. thirsty, and there was no. Right now, it's. We're standing underneath the fire hose. <laughs> that is my title, Ed and Gadget, for my review. It's uh, Ahsoka's both solid Star Wars and proof that there's too much Star Wars. Yep, because yeah. it does kind of feel like we are we are kind of drowning in it. I will say, oh, oh, there oh, are oh, some oh, good oh, recap oh, videos out there. Let me just point out, uh, Slash Film produced a very good recap video. So if you just want to be like, what happened in these cartoons? Just stick it in my veins. That is 30 minutes well spent. I, I mean, I'm just going to go on a limb and say I have spent a lot of time uh, reading up on recaps and so on, so I don't uh-huh. think it matters at all. Like I don't think you need to do any of that to watch Ahsoka and enjoy it in the way it's intended to be enjoyed. I d- disagree, um, but, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah we di- we disagree on this. Uh, but anyway, I was saying they, they at, at one point Star Wars threw out all the extended universe, mm-hmm. all the Timothy Zahn stuff. They made it into something called Star Wars Legends, uh, but they kept Grand Admiral Thrawn because he was such a cool character. So he's Seems still like a cool idea. Yeah, he's still in the mix in the can. He's still a canonical character now in Star Wars. I forget um, where he was brought back, but he was the big bad of Rebels, basically. Yeah, yeah. So and, and, uh, and he was introduced in the Timothy Zahn books. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, my main issues with Ahsoka are uh, stylistic. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, They've made the protagonist Ahsoka played by Rosario. I don't even know if she's the protagonist. Let me put that out there. She is the least interesting character on the show so far. She she um, has, which I think um, uh, Joanna Robinson has been pointing this out on Twitter, but every single lead of all these Star Wars shows are just like stoic, cool person. You just sit there yeah. and you kind of stand and you look at things. 
And I need more than that. Like this character, Ahsoka, was a ball of energy when yeah, she was introduced yeah, yeah. in the first Clone Wars movie. Yeah, it is. That's what I hear is that she was yeah. she was really like had a strong personality, and uh, and she is kind of an aloof um, Gandalf type in um, in the Ahsoka TV series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that isn't working for me. I I. I Guessing it will change as the show goes on. Um, the but character it's not itself is kind of boring. Yeah, I just think Rosario Dawson is good at the glowering and the sword fighting. That's fun. Yeah, stylistically, I think the uh, the dialogue is is painful. Like it's just <laughs> extremely slowly paced. It's people intoning very serious things, mm-hmm. and they all speak like this. You know, like it, it's just. Uh, but it's not like terribly interesting what they're saying. So it's kind of like they're slowing down yeah. so that you feel like what they're saying is important. It depends but, on who's saying it. If it's Ray Stevenson, I'm like, yes, yeah, he's tell awesome. me more. He's, he's You're great. awesome. Love Ray yeah. Stevenson. But anyway, uh, one thing that I do like about the show is if you are looking for the quote unquote feeling of Star Wars, mm-hmm. this will deliver that. I mean, Andor did not deliver the quote unquote feeling of Star Wars. This yeah. has lightsaber battles it has guys in dark cloaks walking down spaceship hallways owning everyone yes it has you know uh droids and uh aerial dog fights and fighters and so on and so forth like it has all the things that you're looking for if you want quote-unquote classic star wars mm-hmm. um but I, but I think it's n- not terribly interesting. Personally. I feel like so. it's kind of listless is the thing because uh, what this show is also guilty of, which Mandalorian and I think Boba Fett were too, like so much of it is just fetch quests. So much of it is just video. Got to go get the map. Got to get a key for the map. And we do that <laughs> over and over again in all these shows. And it's a little, uh, that was also in the prequel series as well too. Or, or the both, sequel series. Both of J.J. Abrams' yes. sequel yes. movies is about finding maps. Enough with maps. Enough with uh, mysterious maps leading who to people who have been lost. Who is making all these maps? <laughs> who is design? Who is spending the time design? They're like designing this elaborate map in the mm-hmm. in the hopes that maybe someone one day is going to find them. That's to figure out of, this very. That's a lot of wasted yeah. effort. Yeah. Is all Somebody also say. overlaid the basic like plot line of the sequel trilogy with what is happening here. It's just kind of the same thing. It's everybody looking for a long last uh, Jedi master. Yada yada yada. You find the map. Uh, I, I would love something new. Uh, the beauty of Andor is that it did feel new, just didn't have like. Give me more Andor. That's all I care about. Yeah, I'm really Andor's unmissable. All these others just seem missable. I feel the same. You know, I, I, I will say, Jeff, I of agree, all of these, yeah. this may be the one that may be worth catching up for you because it is it is the most classic Star Wars. I guess. Yeah, maybe I'll check Maybe it eventually out. you'll care about yeah, these the, people. The, yeah, there are some solid action scenes in the first mm-hmm. two episodes, Jeff. That's what I'll say about cool it. Cool lightsabers to, we've never seen before, yeah. If you were to tell the kid who rushed out and bought those Timothy Zahn books <laughs> that I would, this would be a reality I was living in and I wouldn't be up for watching it, I would I would probably Yeah, that, that kid would be I, like, what happened to you? Yeah, I would be yeah. very well, I, sad I, about it. I would argue it's been because of the quality of the other TV shows, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think there's nothing about those shows that made them feel like compelling watching to you. So, um, and, and also some of the movies. So anyway, that's Ahsoka. Episodes one and two are available on Disney+. Plus. It's the one thing Devinder Hardware has been watching. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something you've been watching. Well, you guys may recall a few weeks ago, several months ago now, probably. Time flies. Time is a flat circle. It's all depressing. Anyway, I came to the audience and I asked for a suggestion uh, for a replacement to our completed journey through Avatar The Last Airbender. As a family, we had appointment viewing uh, almost every night, most nights, before bed, 
we would uh, assemble about a half an hour before the kids needed to brush their teeth and read stories and stuff. And we would all gather around uh, on the bed in my bedroom, uh, in my wife and I bedroom, and we would uh, watch an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. It was a cherished little tradition, little mini, um, little mini habit that we got into. And I wanted a show that would replace that and, and asked folks and a lot of people came back with wonderful suggestions. I got a lot of really cool options and ended up going with Gravity Falls, which I've talked about. Uh, we got through most of season one of Gravity Falls, uh, but my wife turned to me and said at a certain point, not entirely certain this show is appropriate for our kids. <laughs> it's a little spooky, yeah. Well, no, it's not yeah. even spooky. It's just a little adult in its yeah. yes. Uh, yes. attitudes. It's 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 mean. It's a mean. It's about mean people, or at least some of the characters are. There are the main characters, Dipper and Mabel. They're they're nice enough, but um, Grunkle Stan, who's who's their their character. Excuse you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grunkle Stan, he's their great uncle Stan, Grunkle Stan, um, who is the guy who runs this, this place that they all work for and live at. He is basically uh, um, Rick from, from um, Rick, and, Rick Morty. and Morty. I mean, he is. He, the, the, the guy does a bad Rick impression. He mm -hmm. behaves like Rick in that. He kind of hates everything and mistreats people and says, you know, there's one episode where they're like, hey, shouldn't you not be doing that, Grunkle Stan? He says, if there's no cops around, it's legal, you know, which not exactly the message I want to give to my kids. <laughs> you know, I have heard Oscar the Grouch say similar things, too. He's a bit of a wow. Uh, not really. Yes. Not yeah. that. Yeah. Not exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. But <laughs> no. he's a he's a bit of a meanie, you know. Yeah, but it's different because he always learns that that's not the right way to interact with people. Mm -hmm. And Grunkle Stan is just, and, and it's and it's different, right? It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be mean, but but being like selfish and grading and like let's. And, and there's no never any comeuppance for Grunkle Stan. There's mm -hmm. never any realization that that's the wrong way to do things. He's just he's just Rick. He's just a mean spirited, kind of angry, malcontent misanthrope. You know, um, and that's fine. I, I I found the show delightful. My kids love it. But at a certain point, my wife was like, "We got to stop. This is not the kind of behavior we want to uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. encourage." Mm -hmm. So the, which I have to say is admirable, Jeff. You know that that you're trying to give your kids media that shares your values. You know, I, I think that's very cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, not easy to think when you get your when you. The, here's the process, and I'm sure Devinger knows this well. Uh, uh -huh. Hey, here's a new thing to watch. No, don't make us watch. <laughs> no, I only want to know about the things I already know about. <laughs> Introducing new stimuli is. I hate it. Okay, please, can we just watch one? No! Ah, I will scream, I will yell, I will hate, I will pound the ground. Okay, I'm just gonna put it on. Ooh, I love this. That's all you gotta do, by this the way. This is the greatest thing ever. Start playing. And then you go, oh, maybe we should not watch this. No! I've always <laughs> wanted to watch this! This is the only thing I've ever wanted to watch! Don't make me not watch this! <laughs> so that's, that's the loop, is they hate it, they love it, yep. and then you want to move on to something else. They've always loved it. And that's the only thing they ever want to watch. So moving away 
from Gravity Falls has been hard. It's like pulling yeah. a Band-Aid off. Steven Universe is right there, Jeff. Come on. I know. Okay. Let's do so, it. But here's the, yeah. here's the show that we ended up trying. And uh-huh. now I am hooked on and love. This is a new entrant, a brand new show that just hit Netflix. And it is exactly what I wanted when I looked for a show that could follow up Avatar The Last Airbender. Because while Gravity Falls is fun and clever and has a lot of really cool things going for it. The one element of my request that is missing from Gravity Falls is the serialized storytelling element. There are a few things that carry over from episode to episode, but mostly it's monster of the week, at least as far as we got in, a, in season one. Maybe that changes in season two. I don't know. But it was mostly, uh, you know, these self-contained episodes with some growth in the characters moving over from episode to episode but it wasn't really like a grand adventure told over multiple seasons so what we have now tried and our hooked on it has become the new thing is a show that just hit netflix called mech cadets this is based on the comic book series uh by greg pack and uh takeshi miyazawa uh, this is not a comic book series that I ever had ever read. It's from Boom Studios. I hadn't read about it. I didn't even know about it. I, I obviously know Greg Pak, very uh, prolific comic book writer and creator. Uh, but this is Mech Cadets. It, it's all in the title. It, it, is hmm. a, it is a mishmash of a lot of things you've seen before, but I would argue this is done very, very well, especially the animated series that not just hit Netflix, um, the animation is phenomenal, phenomenal. It's computer graphics, but it reminds me of, um, oh, what's the recent, uh, Riot Studios, um, because with an A, uh, Ar- 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 Arcane. Um, yeah, yeah. it reminds me of, I mean, not quite that high quality, but, but it, it is very high quality CG animation. And it is a group of young kids, uh, in the future who uh, are in a, an academy training to become mech cadets. And what happens is there is an interstellar uh, race of robos, they call them, of giant robots that come to Earth periodically. We don't ever know when. And when they arrive on Earth, they will bond with a single worthy mech cadet. And they choose the mech cadet, the mech cadets, are presented for the robots that have just arrived in Earth. The robots will judge them in some way and then select a, a pilot to bond with. And then that pilot then becomes the uniquely bonded to that uh, robo and can pilot it and fight these giant, uh, I think they call them sharks yeah. or they're, sharks. They're, they, they become drift compatible, so to speak, with their, with their mechs. Yes, you know? it's very, it, like I said, these are ideas that are not, unique but i think done here very very well hmm. um so you know obviously pacific rim uh, elements of pacific rim obviously elements of all kinds of anime and you know when i was a kid i was super into the shogun warriors um so it it, it recalls that for me but the writing is sharp uh, i mean it's very much it's very much what you would expect right it's it's a bunch of kids so there's one kid uh, there's 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 the one kid whose family is janitors and he doesn't belong. But of course, in episode one, the robo chooses him. And so he's sort of a fish out of water story. I mean, these are very tried and true tropes. There's there's not mm-hmm. a lot of innovative story, at least in these first few episodes that we've gotten through. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not 
great. It, it really is excellent. The writing is strong. And this is, you know, this is YA7. It's youth, you know, rated youth seven. It's got action. You know, it's got a, the main character's dad is dead and has been dead, you know, before the show started. So, you know, it's got some, whatever, adult stuff. But what I like about it, honestly, is that it is a kid's show, but it isn't talking down to kids. And that's one of the things I cherish about Avatar The Last Airbender is the themes, the the complexity of emotional issues isn't talking down to kids. And you, and you contrast that with something like a, you know, like a PJ Masks or even the, the Spider-Man uh, and his Amazing Friends show that I, I really like a lot on Disney Plus that my son really likes is still is really a kid's show. It's a, like a kiddie kid's show. And this has a level of maturity, just emotional complexity wise. Like for example, there's a really wonderful moment, I believe in the first episode, uh, might be in the second, I think it's the first episode where, um, you know, the, the, the janitor's son uh, is um, surprisingly gets into the mech cadet program, right? He's our main character. He gets, uh, against all odds, he, he uh, the robo chooses him and he gets into the mech cadet program. And his mother, the janitor, uh, is, you know, is worried about him and, you know, she's worked so hard and she wanted him to become an engineer, et cetera, et cetera. And he writes a note to her that says, you sacrificed so I could dream. Which is like, that's great writing, number one, just for any age, but the but you wouldn't find that in a show like PJ Masks or Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, right? That is a level of emotional com complexity and nuance and just like sophistication of expression that I really appreciate. And I can't talk enough about how great the show looks. I just really dig the style. Even if <laughs> the animation is a bit reminiscent, like the way the head's look is a bit reminiscent of Team America World Police. <laughs> but ultimately, it's um, it's just a fantastic show. I'm really digging Mech Cadets, and I hope it gets uh, additional seasons. Very cool. I'm glad you got a, a, a recommendation that you think fits your needs. Yeah, I've never heard of the show, but it sounds very cool. Yeah, it just debuted. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's brand new to Netflix. I, I didn't get a recommendation. We just tried it mm -hmm. and uh, oh, okay, on a blind nice. whim. Very and nice, it's, very nice. Uh, but I, I just got to reiterate, Jeff, if you're looking for something sweet that'll teach the kids some lessons, that has great, uh, you know, great serialized narrative, Steven Universe, baby. All right. That'll be, be into it. We'll, we'll, give that, we'll give that a shot next. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more right after this. All right, folks, it's time for the return of everyone's favorite segment, Dave's B-Movies. Dave's B-Movies, B-Movies, Dave's B-Movies, the movies that he wanted to see earlier, but he could in theaters, and now they're out of video on demand. I think you either don't know mm -hmm. what favorite or everyone <laughs> means. One of those two. A lot of two. problems in here. Are you sure? Yeah. I, think I, I think I have a grasp of what both of those it's words mean. It's one of those two terms for sure that you're... Yeah. Yeah. misunderstanding maybe maybe <laughs> anyway uh i had a chance to watch the 2023 boris kuntz film paradise on netflix have you guys ever heard of this movie paradise no. no i'm going to talk about stuff that happens in the first 20 minutes of paradise okay so this is not it might sound like it's a major spoiler but i don't think it is basically the premise of the the movie is uh it's the future okay 
and there is a new biotechnology that allows you to transfer years of your life to another person uh, in exchange for money. Uh, so if that sounds suspiciously, I'm sorry, suspiciously similar to the 2011 Andrew Nichol film In Time, it's because it is kind of. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie In I Time? I think about that film all the time. Yeah. I actually. believe so. It's a great I concept. Say I did. It is a deeply silly film, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, starring Justin Sim- Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. Uh, and it takes place in an alternate universe uh, where people are genetically engineered to, like, basically they use time as currency. So there's like a, you have a little reading on your body of how much time you have left and you can like transfer time to people. Um, it's like, it's like money. It's like credit cards basically. Right. Mm. Um, paradise is a much more realistic version of that premise. Uh, it, it kind of takes place which, in a world. Uh, that's which almost... Backstreet Boy does it have in it? Mm, yeah. Uh, in sync. You mean? <laughs> yeah, but, mm, I don't know. But, uh, come on, Jeff. Yeah. I'm um, trying. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so the, the way it works is that if you are drift compatible, no, I mean, if you're regularly compatible with another person, a rich person donor, you can give up like five, 10, 15 years of your life to that person and they will pay you, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars. That's, that's just called um, having a job. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, wow. Yeah. Except it happens instantly. Sit back and think about that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the what if I paid you that hundred thousand dollars slowly? Let's say by the hour. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Took one some of my tax favorite, out of it. One of my favorite Key and Peele sketches is they're talking about doing a bank heist, and he's he like continues like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get a job, right? We're gonna work as a guard in the bank. We're gonna get a, a bi-weekly paycheck. Mm-hmm, we're gonna mm-hmm. do that for twelve years. You know, like <laughs> it's like you're just you're just talking about a job, man. Um, I really uh, enjoy that. So anyway, uh, and the the way it works is you kind of make this transfusion right into the other person, and then like, uh, and then over the course of a few days. You know, you become younger or they become older or whatever, right? Whichever side of it you're on. Um, And uh, in the first part of the movie, due to circumstances beyond the protagonist's control, um, his wife gets 40 years taken off of her life. And the rest of the movie is about them trying to deal with that and and how they try to deal with that. And it's kind of a, it's a sci-fi thriller. Uh, None of this sounds like a B movie. uh, What'd you say? It does or does not? Does Does not. not. In, in what sense, Jeff? What, why is, it is it just not? genre? You're playing genre. Anything genre is a B movie under your song. Basically, well, B. Uh, my understanding is B movies are relatively low budget movies uh-huh. that are typically here. Here's the definition: a low budget movie, um, especially one made for use as a companion to the main attraction in a double feature. That's yeah, what it originally kind of came. Well, like, right. well, yeah. There's there's a yeah, level yeah. of titillation yes. and sort of. Yes. Uh, it's got to be a, a thing that's there to kind of. Uh, it's not attempting what this movie mm-hmm. seems to be attempting, which is like actual social commentary. Yeah, this <laughs> is too good for a B movie. It sounds like I don't know. First of all, I, I, I would dispute the notion that B movies haven't had social commentary in the past. I think that's a bad saying... way of phrasing it. But what, I, what yes, I'm trying to yeah. say is that B movies tend to be uh, more um, pulpy than this. Pulpy, sounds. Mm. pulpy is the word. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's not just genre; it's genre pulp that makes a B movie a B movie. Yeah, you know, I, I think you guys have legitimate points, and uh, maybe I'm just, just like, looking for excuses to play the song. You just I play just the song. want excuses to play the song. Uh, yes, it's it's a kind of 
low to mid budget genre piece. That's mm -hmm. kind of how I've been using it. So if people if people really object to that, which I completely understand, then I will still probably continue to use the song occasionally, <laughs> but less we, often. We will give you crap for it because you know, yeah, I've, I've seen plenty of B movies, you know, and yeah, B movies like B the B is for bad, yeah. not for you know low budget. I believe that the B has to be there. It's for often one and the well, same because well, of that. But yeah, you, yeah. you know, I think a, a lot of people would argue that this movie is pretty bad. You know, that's okay. that's the thing. Is it, is it, are you one of those people? I think it's much better than people give it credit. Like I've looked on Letterboxd. I've seen the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it has like a fifty percent Rotten Tomatoes. Okay? I think so, every time you play the song, you have to justify why it's a B movie. I, I, yeah, that, that that is, that's the new rule. The new rule. Uh, yeah, uh, that's fair. That's I I accept your challenge. I accept okay. Your challenge. But yeah, it's it's relatively low budget, I think. You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's really expensive. It looks really good, I will say. Um, but it feels like about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through this movie, the people who are writing the movie just gave up writing the movie. That's what it feels like. <laughs> We've all been there. Well, yeah. like, you know, hey, hey we're done. Yeah, that's we're done. hard. Yeah, we're done. So like, I think if you round up, then they did finish the movie. Yeah, we, mm -hmm. we said all we wanted to say. Money tends and, to run out. Uh, you we're know. done. And we're done. We're yeah. done with saying what we're gonna, like literally the the last quarter of the movie just fast forwards through a bunch of developments without really putting that much thought into them, in my opinion. But uh, and and look, the 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 metaphor is very simplistic. Devendra already nailed it. Okay, rich people exploit the non-rich people. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, it's a very basic metaphor that's been used many times before. We we just saw um, what was the the Netflix the Spanish one? Was it the platform? Yes, very platform, very similar. Yes. Yeah. What? But what if instead of taking your labor, they took your actual years off your life? That's, that's basically what they're what doing that's with their labor. Yeah, yeah, that's basically what it is. Now, uh, I think there's like a couple of decent action scenes. It's the production design of the movie is really good. Devinder, I actually kind of want you to watch this movie. Yeah, not, I, not I've the, seen the trailer. Not so the whole thing. Not the whole thing, but just mm -hmm. the tech. Okay. There's some really cool tech in this movie mm -hmm. where. People use phones and tablets, but it's almost like um, they don't look like iPads. They look like mm -hmm. e-ink tablets. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. color e-ink. You know That's the future I want to live in. Yeah, right. Cool. Where it's it's not like LCD or OLED. It's like this e. You know, it's kind of like almost like paper. Um, so I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. I like I like that. Actually, seems like something we might evolve into. You know, so there's some cool things about it, but ultimately, and I ended up. You know, I, I always like to have my thoughts provoked. I find, I, find mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I enjoy thought-provoking films. I like to have my thoughts provoked. And I'm like, oh, yeah, interesting. Like, what would I do in this situation? How, how does one, you know, value years off of one's life versus money? You know, if I could accept a payment of $700,000 in exchange for 15 years of my life, would I do that? You know, like all these questions that, I, that I'd have. And, um, and I do like that this movie kind of raises those. Um, but ultimately, you know, this movie hasn't been reviewed very well. A lot of people didn't like it very much. And I, I do think the ending is pretty bad. Uh, so I don't know if I can recommend it. Maybe some... then it's a B movie. I don't know. That's what we I'm saying. That's see. what I'm we trying to see. say, you know? Anyway, it, there's I enough cool things in it that I felt it was worth mentioning here on the podcast. Uh, but it's not a great film. It's just, it's a cool, small, uh, small scale sci-fi movie mm -hmm. that's kind of how i describe it and I, I think it looks great so okay yeah. i think uh the new protocol is you yes. start saying hey i've got a contender yeah and then okay. you, you explain why it could potentially and, be a b movie and, and then if we, we can play the song if yeah. we agree if you the, agree. Re the reward is playing the song okay that's fair <laughs> that's fair jeff uh well what do you about what do you think I, the, the only thing about this one is 
it does feel like maybe it could be medium budget because it does look really good. Like it yeah. does. Yeah. There are a bunch of characters, a bunch of characters and background artists. Like um, they, they do a good job of making this world look like it's the future. It's really so, hard to like think it's so easy to make something look halfway decent now. You know, it's really hard to get that, so that true. old, yeah. that old thing. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, that space jail movie. That was good. B movie. Just like bad CG. Guy here surrounded by bad CG being Snake Plissken. You're talking about Street. Lockout. Lockout or Lockdown. Yes, lo- lockout. It's lockout. called Lockout. And yes, yes. there were some terrible CG in this movie. That, like garbage. That's the thing. When I look at a movie like Paradise on Netflix, the one I just talked about, uh, there's very few moments, if any, that, I'm, that I think to yeah. myself, that's bad CG. I think, I it, think actually, the, it's very good. You know, The fact that it feels unfinished from a script level, yeah. I think mm-hmm. pushes it mm-hmm. over into B territory mm-hmm. from my Yay! perspective. Well, yeah. yay, that's that's great. I'm glad. Okay, but Jeff, I agree to your terms. So <laughs> in the future, that's what we'll do. Uh, I think the listeners demand it. We yeah. need justification <laughs> for the song. But the movie's Paradise. There is enough cool stuff in it that I thought it was worth mentioning. It's on Netflix. Sci-fi thriller. Uh, I had a decent time with it. And it feels like they just gave up writing this movie about two-thirds, three-quarters <laughs> of the way through. Okay. Devinder Hardwar, hit us up with someone else you've been watching. Sure. Speaking of something that potentially at one point had the label of like a B movie or B series, I saw the Venture Brothers movie. Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. And by <laughs> the title. end of the movie, great title, great movie title, by the way. Um, but by the end, that title will make sense to you. And I love the Venture Brothers. Jeff, I'm sure like you guys talked about this on Totally Rad. Oh, because yes. It was such a it was such a wild thing. It has been almost 20 years since the Venture Brothers pilot aired that aired on February 16th, 2003. This is ostensibly the end of the Venture Brothers. They were canceled. Like they, they announced that they were canceled um, mid pandemic. It was like 2020. And then there was like a backup announcement. Hey, 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 what if instead of being canceled, instead of like a season eight, you get a movie. Can you wrap up that story in a movie? And they did that instead. And uh, this is what we got. This takes uh, this follows up from the end of season seven and uh, kind of everything I was saying for Ahsoka applies here. If you have never seen the Venture Brothers before and you hit play on this movie, you will have no idea what the fuck is going on. Nothing will make sense. Okay, and no characters are established. Nothing is introduced. But uh, I, I think like as a direct movie sequel to the actual series, I feel like that placement makes it more acceptable to do that versus um, starting an entirely new franchise, you know, with a new or a new miniseries with a new actor and everything and uh, totally different uh, genre to, or a totally different style instead of animated live action. Anyway, I really like this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. I've always loved the venture brothers and I've always been kind of amazed at what Jackson public and doc hammer have done with this thing because um, it's basically been them. These two guys uh, writing, uh directing i think there was another director i see juno lee listed for some things Uh, but it's basically been them writing it and controlling the narrative um they do a lot of the animation work as well um but you know they they work with a big team for all that stuff but yeah this series has been on and off since 2003 like there years will go by and then uh, we get another season we've been working on it for a while um this is such like a love letter to old school Hanna-Barbera cartoons, um, superhero stuff. But now Venture Brothers is back in a world where superheroes have taken over. And they even do the joke of like, these movies are like a job now. You just got to like watch even Venture Brothers. The thing that was like exploring, you know, geeky culture for so long and reveling in it. 
even those guys think like uh, superhero movies have gone too far. So I find that kind of funny. I just want to say, if you're a fan of the Venture Brothers, it is definitely worth catching up on all this stuff. Um, season seven was also really good, but this is a really fun movie. The only downside is that um, not enough Brock in it. I think because of the way the uh, the storylines worked out, uh, Patrick Warburton's barely in it, and he was always like a central character. But I think in terms of giving us background for a lot of what's happening, for example, between Dr. Venture and the Monarch, some like back, some backstory stuff was kind of hinted at for a while. I think that's all really fun. I think there are a lot of great jokes. It looks good. Venture Brothers has never looked this good before, too, because it it is not like theatrical animation, but certainly bigger budget than what Venture Brothers got in the past. And it's genuinely funny. And I think it's a good reminder. Um, you know, this came out a couple of months ago. If you like the Venture Brothers, you should probably go watch this thing, maybe buy this thing, and maybe someday we will get more from this. But I'm also amazed it's been almost 20 years and these two guys have been able to like get this story out there, um, ha- build a really complex uh, narrative and really interesting characters and interesting backstories and just like end it on their own terms, on their own terms, sort of. They didn't get a full season, but they did get to end it with a movie. So I think that's pretty cool. So that's it. Check it out. That's the Venture Brothers. Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. And I assumed you watch it on Max is my guest of intro. It's or probably you... on Max, but I just bought it. So I, see, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. I, I didn't double check to see if it's on Max. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, all right. That's something Devinger Hardware has been watching. Jeff Kanata, what else have you been watching this week? I started watching The Righteous Gemstones, which I think Devinger yes. brought up recently. Yes, many times. I don't understand why more people aren't talking about this show. Because every, everybody was watching all the other shows. So yeah, tell me what you think, Jeff. But I have reasons behind that. This show is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's hilarious. Dude, nobody was telling me about this show. I'm nobody. nobody. Told me that. I'm nobody, apparently. <laughs> right here. Well, right here. Until, yeah. I feel like just recently, the reason I started watching it, Avengers, because you brought it up, but I feel like it wasn't until recently. I, I talked about this show for the first couple seasons, and uh, yeah. Man. yeah. It, I'll tell you, the... <laughs> I'm right here. Right here. Uh, I'll pull up the show notes, people. <laughs> you're the reason I started watching it, but I... I <laughs> I, honestly, the subject matter could not be less interesting to me. I think that's it. I think that is precisely it. It is a, so, a show set in the South about a megachurch. Yeah, you know? which like I, I have no zero, less than zero interest in megachurches, right? I just don't, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do not, it's just not a world, it kind of nauseates me, that whole world. It's just not even. It's absolutely nauseating, yes. yes. So I think I stayed away from it. No one told me that Walton Goggins is in this. If I'd heard Goggins literally, was in it. Literally every time I mentioned the show. I don't understand. I, <laughs> I'm really wondering what is happening as I'm talking. I like to tune out when you're. To fast forward to Jeff's brain. When I yeah. do podcasting, it's bullshit, bullshit. My turn. Bullshit, bullshit. My turn. Anyway. Like I said, no one has been talking about uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I I am in love with Righteous Gemstones. I think it's hilarious. I think it's, it is it is so laser sharp on uh, the indictment of the whole idea of megachurches and the people that would get involved in them. But more than that, it's just fun. It's just goofy, hilarious fun. The characters are wild and over the top. It, it actually reminds me of a more comedic Ozark, which I'm sure you two will bristle at, but um, it's- That it's, is certainly a thing, yes. It's the, it's the fun of the uh, lots of plates spinning, how are they going to get out of this one? Oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Kind of, you know, deepening the hole that we're all in, involved in, that we're all 
you know, it, it gets the, the, the bad things get worse and the worst things get impossible. How are we going to get out of this one? But mixed with a layer of just pure, hilarious comedic writing and comedic acting, uh, there is in episode two, I believe, there is one of the funniest fight scenes I have ever seen in my life. I, I recall, yeah. I'm not going to spoil, but it basically involves one of the participants thinking they're going to destroy the other one and realizing quickly that that's not how it's going to play out. But um, it, it's so like retroactively mm-hmm. justified in an amazing way. Like it's the most beautiful payoff for setups that you didn't know were setups that I was like literally applauding. My wife and I, I was like, they told us all of this and yet it came as a massive reveal. It's so sophisticated in that way. The payoffs are brilliant. The setups are hilarious. I genuinely love this show and I'm so glad I have three seasons to get through now. I hope it never dips in quality because the first I'm I'm on episode six of the first season of the righteous gemstones, which I really think more people than just Devinder should be t- talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe Roxana Hadadi like uh, brought it up too last time she was here, or several yeah. so, a while ago. A while ago. Uh, do want to shout out like this is Danny McBride's baby. So if you miss the stylings of Mr. Danny McBride, like it is it is this show. Like he is he is front and center here. But also if you miss John Goodman. If you want to see John Goodman be both a noble, uh, you know, head of uh, head of a household, uh, leader of a church, but also hilarious at times, um, you should be watching the show. Everybody should be watching the show as this show was airing and Succession was on the air. I kept drawing. Um, this is basically Succession in the South. Like it is about the succession of the mega church. It's just funny. Like we, uh, the, the most people focused on the rich of succession but the rich of the south which is very much what right righteous jemsons is doing it's all here including but, the the daughter of the family with the like loser uh husband who doesn't like uh, it's so many similarities it's but kind honestly of that this is the description that turned me off i think mm. i thought and the first episode's an hour but subsequent episodes are only about a half an hour mm-hmm. i really thought this was the dry stayed drama right Starring I thought it, Danny McBride? Come on. Yeah, but you know, he's had dramatic turns too. I a thought few, a I didn't few, realize yeah. he directed and wrote the first episode. I I yep. I Jody I really, Hill is in this too, and it's been Jody Hill movies that we've mainly seen. You know, I, I thought this was Yellowstone oh for for mega churches. That's Jeff, what you I really it just was. tuned me out. That's what, that's what I'm learning right here. Just like flip the radio channel. This has been a stunning indictment. Amazing. Of Jeff's <laughs> incredible listenership of the Vinger Hardware on the podcast. Well, I, I have spent <laughs> not uh, listen i don't bring him up the show often but the way i do i do talk about how funny it is and how great uh, goggins is and danny mcbride yeah. anyway it's I, gl- i'm uh, glad I, you're watching it jeff david chen you were the next in line i have seen 15 episodes of this show Good. um i got sick recently and uh i had the stomach bug and so i was like oh i'm gonna watch righteous episodes i watched 15 episodes like in a row so good goes down easy um you know i don't uh dislike it but i'm not as hot on the show as Literally everyone else. I think my, here's what I'll say. My favorite thing about the show is at pretty much no point in the entire show is faith in God really addressed seriously as an actual thing. It it is Um, them using it as a business. Exactly. They're using it as a means of enriching themselves, as a means of control. Uh, Absolutely. And I just think, um, 
I just think that is such a an acid uh, view of this whole field, this whole industry uh, that I think is sorely needed. And so I really, really appreciate yeah, that part. I, I think it's essential viewing for that respect too. And also, I, I have learned this. Um, people don't really pay attention to stories like from the South. I feel like when I talk to friends, like when I was t- telling people to start watching this, I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's about a mega church in, uh, I believe it's actually in Georgia, right? Um, instant, instant, like brain switches to another channel. Just instant, will not engage. You have, like, it's funny. Do you have John any Goodman. proof of that, Devendra? Any John. proof of that whatsoever? Yeah, none, none at all. None <laughs> at all. You know, um, but no, it is it is also a, a stunning indictment of, you know, uh, modern uh, super rich Christian culture and mega churches. But also I think it is it is also like a an endearing look at people who live in the South and the things that surround them here. These not these aren't all good people like succession but i think it does find endearing things in them and it doesn't like look down on the south as much as i think a lot of people do and i live in georgia now and people keep asking me why i'm like why are you asking why are you saying it like that that's weird fyi uh Regis gemstones is filmed and set in south carolina um but there you go because uh danny mcbride is is uh basically from that whole area but all that vibe that vibe is all down here it's everywhere we've got a lot of mega churches here too I definitely think it's enjoyable. I've heard season three is the best one, so I'm kind of like trying mm-hmm, to get to season mm-hmm. three. Eric Andre um, in season two, I think, is also yeah, a lot of fun. It's great. Yeah, Eric Andre is awesome as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I am enjoying the show as well. Not quite as much as Devendra and Jeff, but uh, it, I, I don't dislike it. I think it's uh, perfectly good. So. Do you like it uh, more or less than Ozark? Uh, way more. Way more. That's all <laughs> I want. That's opinion. all I want. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, those are the things that we have been watching this week. Let's get to weekly plugs, folks. Over on the Decoding TV podcast, I have been uh, checking out new shows each week with Patrick Klepek, he of Remap Radio. Uh, be sure to check out our podcast episode this week where we talk about Ahsoka episodes one and two. You can find that at podcast.decodingtv.com. Devendra Hardware, what's your weekly club? Weekly sure. Club? Uh, on the Engadget podcast, we most recently talked about the PlayStation Portal, that that really boneheaded new portable thing Sony just announced that you can only stream games from your PlayStation 5. Um, exactly what you want when the Switch is out there and the Steam Deck is out there, folks. So, yeah, go listen to that conversation. It's a good time. I, I feel I feel like the, the PlayStation Portal is DOA. I don't think that thing's going to go anywhere. Jeff, do you I, disagree? I asked Sony some, so many times, like, what are you doing, folks? Jeff, do you think? Yeah, what 200 do you think? bucks. Is it feels a little pricey for what it offers, yeah. but I I think there's enough people that are going to buy this thing that it's going to be sure, worthwhile. Sure, sure. It's more like the missed opportunity here. It's like maybe a little more. Like it doesn't even stream games from the cloud. You literally have a cloud <laughs> game streaming service. Yeah, that's all you need is Wi-Fi and a screen. Yeah, to make it work. That's all it has is Wi-Fi and a screen, <laughs> and yet it <laughs> cannot stream games from the cloud. Very very strange. Uh, it it really is offering the functionality of the Wii U. Uh-huh. Which, if everybody wow. remembers that, the Except Wii U, not the, just the, the, Wii U controller, just the you mean just the controller, just, just the yeah. Wii U controller, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's adding the Wii U functionality to the PlayStation Five. That's, there you go. That's there what's happening. Go. Nintendo was right all along. We all want to give a big, hearty shout out. Congratulations to Jeff Kanata. Jeff, congrats! You recently completed Hood to Coast. Isn't that right? That's right. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, this uh, I got Woo. home yesterday. And uh, it got back from uh, from Portland, where I ran from Mount Hood all the way to Seaside, the coast. Um, uh, 200 miles with 11 dudes in two vans. 
uh, I was one of hundreds of groups that did that, hundreds of teams that that did that uh, over, we did it in 33 hours. Um, I got about one hour of sleep during that time. We started at 4.10 a.m., which anyone who's familiar with the race knows means that our team was slow, very slow. The later you get to start, the faster your team is. So we started at 4.10 a.m. means the night before I didn't get much sleep either, but uh, I ran about uh, a little over 16 miles total over three legs. Um, it was very hot. My first leg was very hot, but luckily my last two legs my second leg, I got to really, I got to run during sunset, which was amazing. Nice. And then my third leg, I ran in the middle of the wee hours of the night. Um, so the heat wasn't too bad those times, but it was a really wonderful, wonderful event. And I want to bring it up, uh, mostly thanking folks who donated because I didn't do it just for, just for fun. <laughs> no, not just for the massive amount of pain my body is in today. No, uh, we raised money for Providence, uh, the cancer center that's uh, working on uh, specifically a prostate cancer research. Um, we raised uh, $12,000, which was the goal and um, very proud of that. But you can still donate until the end of September. You can still donate and think of it as a reward. Uh, before, maybe your donation was an incentive to get me to keep running, which by the way, I needed. My first leg was over seven miles in, uh, it was about 99 degrees when I first started Fahrenheit. Uh, and uh, I think it went up to like 101 by the time I was done. And I wanted to die. And that's uh, that last mile and a half uh, of, of that first run. And I kept thinking about all the wonderful people that uh, put their faith in me and their dollars in this cause on my behalf. Uh, and so uh, that really powered me through. And now you can have a donation uh, be equivalent to a reward, a congrats, a thank you for, uh, you know, uh, destroying my, my physical form uh, in service of this wonderful cause. You can help a great cause uh, and give me a little pat on the back by continuing to uh, donate until the end of September. It still counts. Uh, it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash run, Jeff, run. There is no dollar amount too small. Every, every dollar is useful to this cause and uh, beneficial. So bit.ly slash run, Jeff, run. I would really love uh, some additional donations to come in. Would be, uh, I'd be grateful. So thank you. All right, let's plug the podcast. If you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash film podcast is how you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as exclusive After Darks. And whenever we can, we like to drop an early episode for you. Uh, but yeah, uh, we never want anyone to donate. If it in any way causes them financial hardship, you can always support us for free. Share our videos on Instagram, instagram.com slash at the filmcast pod. Or I think it's just actually instagram.com slash the filmcast pod. It's at the filmcast pod on YouTube and on TikTok. Um, but yeah, share our videos, share word about uh, what we're doing here. It really does help us out. Thanks to everyone who supports us financially and who supports us by sharing our work uh, and by leaving a star rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It really all does help. All right, folks, let's get to our review of Gran Turismo. Who do you think the best driver is? Probably Rory. I would dust him in a lap. Yeah. All you do is play video games with some crazy dreams of racing cars. Dad, you're the one that told us to always do something we love. You know what racing cars cost? Look around. It's not our world, son. What is this? It's a contest. 
the best Gran Turismo players in the world get a chance to compete in professional racing. Dude, this is real. This is real. I'm sorry. You really think you're going to take a kid who plays video games in their bedroom, you're going to strap him to a 200-mile-an-hour rocket. It'll tear him to pieces. Welcome to the Filmcast review of Gran Turismo. I'm going to read the plot summary from the internet. This is the true story of a team of unlikely underdogs, a working-class gamer, a former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport executive who risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world, end quote. I'm David Chen here with Devinder Hardware and Jeff Kanata. Devinder Hardware, you have the dubious question mark distinction of having uh, a pull quote on the Australian Blu-ray yeah, my cover. Crime, my greatest crime in life is liking <laughs> Chappie. Apparently. That is that is the thing. Yeah. Look, I think we started this podcast around the time that District 9 came out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, it was movie, like a formative thing that kind of blew our minds at the time. We thought Incred- Blomkamp was going to be like the next J.J. Sp- Abrams. Yeah, J.J. Steven Spielberg. You know, like yeah. Yeah. like yeah. all these words being thrown around because he then is, we saw Elysium. <laughs> we so like, then, no. then he has made a series of progressively worse movies over time, and a lot of um, shorts. Really, yeah, cool and shorts. a lot of shorts. He founded yeah. Oat Studios. He's he's been attached to. Many movies that didn't go. Uh, an Alien mm-hmm. sequel, a RoboCop movie, a uh, Halo movie. Uh, I, I have to imagine that... He made a horror movie that doesn't even exist. It's <laughs> it, out. It, it was released. Yes. Nobody talks about it. Yes. I mean... Nobody uh, has seen it. I, I, I've seen I parts ima- of it. I have it's to bad. imagine it is, it is difficult when you make a movie that's so universally beloved. Mm-hmm. All your other movies don't do as well. And then you get really close to making movies that are part of these franchises that are extremely beloved and, mm-hmm. and widely regarded as classics in their own uh, fields. Um, so he's had a tough go of it, but this mm-hmm. is this feels like an opportunity for him to show that he can still do it, that he can still uh, make a good film, an entertaining film that brings people out into theaters. Devendra Harder, I think you, you, you've been a Blomkamp fan. You're probably the biggest Blomkamp fan on the podcast, right? I've talked to Blomkamp around that terrible horror movie, so yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're so a, you're you've, you're in the Blom camp. I am. <laughs> you're in the Blom camp camp. Uh, <laughs> so all that said, Devinder Hardor, what did you think of Gran Turismo? Do you think Neil Blomkamp, uh, Neil Blomkamp, still has what it takes to be a successful filmmaker? Uh, yeah. I think, I think it does. I think this is his best movie since Chappie. How about that? Wow. Okay. Which is high, not saying much. High praise. Not really saying much. He had I, I, I one movie. Best movie I think it's his best movie since District Nine. I'm I think it's his, it, yeah. So. It is. It's it's his best movie since District Nine. I think Chappie was an acquired taste. Not quite for everybody, <laughs> but I do love him. He's alive and he lives in my heart. Yes. Um. The dream but of Chappie lo- is alive in Devinder Hardware. Chappie <laughs> is alive. No disassemble. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I think this movie it's it is both a very crowd pleasing sports movie as that person behind Jeff Kanata proved. Um. I I think general audiences are all for it. Um, it's also, and I'm working on a piece about this in gadget. I think it is like the single most naked marketing effort in video game media since the wizard, since, <laughs> since we watched Fred Savage play super Mario brothers three. And I was a kid. I was like, wow, that'll be me someday playing super Mario brothers three. Um, yeah, it is both like, it's not just a naked marketing effort for Gran Turismo and for, you know, Nissan um, as much. Like, it's not just that. This entire event was 
the that he, Orlando Bloom's character, he's not just some executive. He's a marketing guy. I was like, yeah, this would be fun. Put the put the gamer kids in the cars. So it is it is like a it, it, this is the second run at this major marketing brainstorm idea that's uh you know working off well, working out well again for Nissan. It's also I think a hilarious like it is so cringe at times. Like uh, David Harbor and his cassette Walkman. Like <laughs> you really needed that. You re- really needed that. Apparently Sony's headphones are so bad the sound just bleeds out and everybody hears them. Um. I, I like yeah. how in a Sony movie, every mm-hmm. electronic product must be Sony. Must be Sony. E- even I- the extreme- iPhones don't exist. Yes. You know. It's not even that. It's they must be unmistakably Sony. Unmistakably like, Sony. You must yeah. be. You. It must be presented to you yeah. as Sony. Like I'm going to show you the packaging so as yes. not to miss that it is a Sony product. Never yeah. has anyone been that excited to find a Walkman digital music player. You're in Tokyo. <laughs> That's what you're getting excited about, yeah. Walkman, because the iPhone doesn't exist in this universe. Anyway, so you take away all that. I think it's all, yes, there's art, this marketing art, artifice here. Uh, this movie opens with a straight up like documentary short. Never has a game. Yeah. It's so accurate. Oh, it's Grand so Turismo. Polyphony Digital's ass. It's, an ad. it's an ad for Polyphony and for yeah. Sony at the beginning of this movie before we even get to the characters. Um, but the story itself is like, it's every gamer's dream come true. So I think this movie cannot help but be a crowd pleaser. And I think Blomkamp, once you get away from a lot of the, the scenes where people are talking to each other, because I think the script is terrible. Um, <laughs> once they're not talking, once they're in the cars and the cars are going zip, vroom, I, I quite like that. I quite like that because Blomkamp, um, if anything he has proven, he's sort of like James Cameron, but without the ability to tell story very well. You know, like he is a good technical stylist. He's a good craftsman. He knows how to like get in really interesting shots. Apparently he used some really cool tech to to capture these races at high speeds. We see a lot of drone footage in here too. Um, I think the races are done really well. I think it's constructed, you know, awesome. Like it was, it was kind of thrilling. They only do this one, they do this dumb thing where it's like you're in the middle of the race. You stop everything. This car is in eighth place now. Just just to remind you. <laughs> Ten seconds later. Oh, we're zooming. We're zooming along the track. Stop. This car is now in fifth place. <laughs> Be excited. Um, I feel like there, there was some way to it yada 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 is yeah. the race part. <laughs> it does. Well, no. I, I, it's I, it's tough. It's tough because these I'm races you, don't stop the race. These just ra- have, <laughs> you have on screen visuals. Just yeah. keep you, we can follow a moving text with the car and this the number or something. You could do that better without like halting the action every I did, single time. I did not mind yeah. that at all because I don't know if you know this, Devinger, but the cars yeah. move pretty fast. The, the, the cars move pretty fast. So, I, the, I wouldn't the, mind it <laughs> if it happened like a handful of times, but every race, I'm getting really into it. <gasps> Here, here's, what, here's what really bothered me, Devinger. This yeah. bothered me way more than what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Is um, in the first part of the movie, there are a couple sequences where, where they show the game? like video game UI yes. on top yes. of the screen. Yep. That isn't even from Gran Turismo, as far as I can tell. It's just random, like GTA, like Grand Theft Auto style graphics that are just mm-hmm. like that's kind okay, of fun. I really hope this isn't gonna happen throughout the rest of the movie, and it doesn't. It, does, so, it doesn't, but it is kind of fun. Quick. Yeah, yeah. In like, the way that, uh, that was stupid. We should never have done that. Anyway. A gamer obsessed kid seeing the world and being in like a semi chase for his first time. That was kind of fun. Like I do think like that worked out well. The footage of Gran Turismo that they actually show, I'm definitely left being like, is that is that really the game? 
Is that, or is this, this, this like a really beautiful CGified version of it? Because for, for, an, took, for an ad about Gran Turismo, yes. they do a shockingly poor job of showing explaining you which version of Gran Turismo yeah. he's well, playing. And they you don't know. even set the movie like the movie. Yes. The real life events happened in 2011, 2013, yes, 2010. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like the movie is set now. Right. It's set. In, well, they have to show newer PlayStation hardware, like newer graphics. But yeah, they should have been showing they, PlayStation 3 graphics. But they're not showing. They don't show yeah. anything. They don't they show. They don't the, set yeah. the movie in any yeah. specific time period at all. So yeah. if they yada yada yeah. anything, they yada yada the PlayStation. You yeah. know, yeah. so the verisimilitude of <laughs> playing the game is kind of lost. Uh, but yeah, because it, would, it would honestly be laughable, honestly, to modern day audiences if you showed yeah. someone with PlayStation 2 or 3 graphics. If you graphics, showed PlayStation 3, it would be you know? PlayStation 3. Well, it if wouldn't you be... PS3 graphics, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be an advertisement for PlayStation anymore. Yeah. It would it, not be. So yeah, that, that is all very confusing. But you know what? Like, I think as a, as a crowd-pleasing uh, sports movie, the races are thrilling. I think there's a lot of twists and turns going on here. I also think the lead guy, Archie uh, Madakwe, is fun. Like, I think he is like, he is the exact sort of like uh, deer in the headlights, like young kid, impressed by everything. So focused, um, very innocent. I think he is fun. David Harbour is just like, they, they have some quotes from him in the trailer. But I also think it's David Harbour. And he is like, he, he is good at being that tough love kind of guy. I think he does get better lines than what we see in the trailer, better than you puked on my lawn. Um, I think he does a, like there, there's, you know, it, a lot of uh, pathos in that character that he plays. And also, Jaman Honsu, who I think is kind of uh, in a thankless role here, does at least land the final moment where Father is like, "Well, yes, hey, let's let's, yeah, let's save that happens. for the let's save that for the spoilers." But I mean, um, okay, yeah. Um, but uh, Jeff Kanata, what were your thoughts on Gran Turismo? Well, Dave, I have two limericks this lit week. What? What? One of them is my review of the movie. And the other one is just for you. Just for so, me, David Chen? Yes. Or for, okay. Just for you, David Chen. So wow. which one would you like to hear first? Uh, you, you know, dealer's choice, Jeff. Uh, whatever, whatever one you think will maximize the emotional impact. All right, well, let's start with the review of the movie. Sounds so good. My thoughts on Gran Turismo, best summed up in the form of a limerick. All right, here we go. The first half of this movie is bad. <laughs> An extended PlayStation ad. The movie's less dumb when it finally becomes about racing and not the gamepad. Nice. Yeah. No gamepads yeah. to be seen, though, Jeff. They were all steering wheels. Yeah, I know, yeah. but no, that no doesn't rhyme. Has, no gamepads to be seen. Otherwise, we would have had to figure out yeah. which yes. PlayStation I use unit the gamepad as a metaphor for gaming yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it rhymes. All right, here's the one just for you, Dave. Wow. I, I'm honored, let me just say. Hopefully, I continue to be honored. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't buy the father's machismo. <laughs> you race on this PlayStation gizmo? He seems pretty dense and makes as much sense as Trump's co-defendant, Ken Cheesebro. Wow. <laughs> Okay, I'm walk. really curious why you think that, that was for walk. me, Jeff. Because yeah. you wanted me last week to do the grand setup <laughs> for the title that doesn't pay off. <laughs> so I did it. I see. <laughs> that is the, incredible. The That's elaborate, incredible. very strained way to get to Ken Cheesebro. Yes. Just for you. <laughs> incredible. 
Incredible, Jeff. Bravo. Anyway, uh, back to my review of the movie. I agree <laughs> very much with Devendra. Um, this, I was, I was certain I was going to loathe this yes, movie same. about, I don't know, 45 minutes in. I mean, it, it is, it is bad. It is bad writing, bad setups. It doesn't even, I mean, as somebody that is only even loosely familiar with the real life story that this is based on, it doesn't. It, it bears very little resemblance to the real life story. Um, you know, it, it Hollywoodizes this in the worst possible way, in my opinion. Um, the way the parents behave in this movie just <laughs> is so, it's so Hollywood story. It just, it, it, it strains credulity to me. It's like, no one would behave like that in the face of this remarkable thing that just happened to your child, you know? Um, it, and, and they didn't in real life and, <laughs> you know, the David Har I love David Harbour in this movie. He's great. I totally agree mm -hmm. with Devendra. That person does not exist in real life. <laughs> He's evidently an amalgamation of like six different people that uh, were involved. You got to do that for movies, I guess. Mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. all Orlando Bloom is also not a character. Uh, there's three main characters in this movie and two of them did not exist in real life. That sounds about right. <laughs> um, and Orlando Bloom is like in a different movie than most people. He's like, he's like talking like this the whole time. He's like yelling things and like he thinks he's in like Moneyball or yeah, something. He's like, like a very different wacky, He's yeah. doing some wacky stuff. I don't know. He does this it. thing, and I'm seeing this more and more in movies, by the way. Your suitcases have wheels. And we see Orlando Bloom walking around Tokyo, lifting his suitcase, which has four <laughs> wheels on. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? At least Let's use a suitcase like a human being. I don't know. There, there is a visualization thing that Neil Blomkamp does. Uh, you already talked about one of them, but mm -hmm. the other one where he like. <laughs> Disassembles the, the car. Yeah. yeah, we see a, a, a person, you know, we see our main character playing a video game in a video game steering wheel. And then because we, the audience, are too dumb to understand that is the equivalent of driving a car, he has to CG an actual car around him mm -hmm. to make you go, it's like he's driving a car. It's his <laughs> mental state, you see. I, I, don't, goes. I don't understand it. it. This movie has the mentality toward video games that no one has anymore, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. It is as if someone was beamed to us from the 80s and still thinks that video games are this like niche edge, weird counterculture thing and not completely mainstream entertainment. It is so, it's so very odd to me how this entire beginning of this movie is formed, how pat and tr just insultingly yeah. trite all of the setup is. All Orla of it. Orlando Bloom has a speech to Nissan executives. Have you heard of this game? Gran Turismo. This game has existed for like 15 years at this point, but like yeah. car like executives. Said, it have it never doesn't heard of it. seem to yeah. fit into any yeah. existing timeline of real life that makes any sense. Like, is it happening now? Is it happening in the early 2000s? Like, what? When is this happening? I mean, we can go in spoilers about how it completely tramples on the actual truth of what happened, which is fine. That's what Hollywood movies do. But I was just certain this movie was going to be utter garbage. Yeah. And then it like kicks into a different gear, completely stops being about video games at all. And just becomes a pretty fun, decent racing movie mm -hmm. with some fun racing visualization, some fun races and some fun drama there. 
And all of a sudden, by the end, I'm like, I kind of liked that. But yep. it wasn't because of any of the hard heavy lifting that the beginning of the movie did to make this about video games at all. It just was like, oh, racing is inherently dramatic and interesting and fun. And we have good actors doing good work in this movie. And all of a sudden, I'm having a good time by the end. And so ultimately, I was like, well, this is pretty crowd-pleasing and fun. It's kind of what you said, Devinder. It's like, it can't, it can't help but be that because it just, the subject matter demands, mm -hmm. it, it is a dramatic, interesting thing that is being cars, dramatized here. Cars being driven loudly, the, the loud thunking of gear shifting. I think there's like something viscerally enjoying, it, it <laughs> for like, me it at like, least. Like, I just enjoy that. Despite yeah. itself, it yeah. turns into an entertaining movie for me. But it's a massively missed opportunity on another mm -hmm. level because this is the ultimate fish out of water story. This is the ultimate, like someone plucked from this world, placed into this new world. Mm -hmm. And yet I watched two hours and seven minutes of this movie. I learned exactly zero about racing. Exactly zero. Of, the only thing that is communicated that is the difference between winning and losing in this movie is you got to commit. That is literally the only piece of advice this movie gives yeah. to the main character Sometimes at any point. Sometimes you don't follow that line. You got to commit. Commit yeah. to what you're doing. But like, wouldn't it be awesome if this movie showed you why a person who played a simulator could actually excel in real life? Wouldn't mm -hmm. it be interesting to see how those skills translate about what exactly it is in racing that makes you good or not good. Like the movie does not care about any of that. And it's a massively missed opportunity because I could have come out of this excited, not about PlayStation, which seems to be the goal of this movie, but about the sport of, of racing. Like there's no, there's not even a mention of one class of car versus another or why mm -hmm. he's racing mm -hmm. in this class of car or how any of that works. Literally none of that. We have one scene at the beginning where he's in the video game and he like changes the, um, the, uh, the tail fin of the car, yeah. the whatever that, the spoiler, is that what it's yeah. called? The thing that yeah. does the downdraft. But like no explanation of why, how, when, what, anything about racing whatsoever. And maybe it's not this movie's job to do that, but it, I would have, as a viewer, loved to literally come out of this with any insight into the process. You see a person go through a process, but the details of that are completely ignored. And that is I, just a massive missed opportunity, in my opinion. Like I said, I came out of this movie thinking, you know, this is pretty, pretty fun, ultimately. Like the third act alone is just, it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's good. The cars go vroom, as Devendra said. But I can't help but think this movie is a missed opportunity on a number of levels. And it just didn't need to be two hours and seven minutes long. Uh, that's for sure, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Before we continue, I think it might be worth talking a little bit about our relationship to the Gran Turismo video game. Uh, I don't know about you guys. You mean I... simulation, Dave. Oh, yeah. It's not sorry. a game. Driving simulator. I apologize. Yes. I don't know about you guys. I spent tens of hours playing <laughs> Gran Turismo 4 on my PlayStation 2. And at the time, it, it, I consider it actually a formative experience for me when it comes to racing games because it was so quote-unquote realistic in terms of how it worked, uh, where like it, the, the game encouraged you to find the correct line 
through the racetrack, right? Which many racing games do today, and some mm-hmm. did back then as well. But like, it was the first time where I really thought deeply about what is the most efficient, fastest way to get between two points. Um, so I really like the game. And Jeff, I think you're right. That's basically all completely absent from the film. Like, n- none of really how cool the video game is and why it's cool really makes it into the or, film at all. Or right? racing. Or or racing in general. Like, what did it, what is it that separates the winner from the loser? Literally, the only thing this, this movie tells me is you got to commit. Like, it, it's such banal generalizations that have, mean nothing. You really needed a couple of exposition scenes where David Harbour's like, here's how the league works, you know, or you needed a, a scene where somebody expositions like, here's what the game does and why it's so good at the blah, blah at you know, specifically good at this task, right? Or, or um, I don't know if you need, I mean, exposition scenes could is one way to do it, but you could mm-hmm. express that in the journey, like the journey right. is A, not at all how it happened in real life. Like mm-hmm. they make it up completely. They Hollywoodize it, make it this crazy moment. One, you get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow, which is not <laughs> at all how it happened in real life. Mm-hmm. But so they're already like making shit up. Why not make shit up that actually helps us, the audience, be invested in the how instead of just the what? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I agree with you, Jeff. Huge, but do any of you play Gran Turismo or any of you I like mean, Gran Turismo? Some things? I do remember playing. I think it was mostly two or three, but also thinking, "Hey, nice." Jeff is holding up a, a Je- wheel. Jeff is holding up a steering wheel. A so Jeff Master, does that mean this... you've played it before, or are you planning? Oh on yeah, it I mean, I got this uh, <laughs> this racing wheel for GT7 because it's in PSVR2. Oh yeah, that's true. That's wow. right. an extraordinary that experience. Mm-hmm. Oh nice, extraordinary. Nice. Yeah, but I remember playing them early on and being like, "Well." This is cool. This is accurate. It's kind of boring. Actually, it doesn't feel there. There's not it's a definitely great not sense an of, arcade. It's not an yeah, arcade. It's not an arcade right, racer. Yeah. There wasn't a great sense of speed early on, so I'd always like look over to like Ridge Racer instead and be like, I'm having more fun over there, especially like Ridge Racer Four R Four Classic. Uh, but yeah, didn't didn't love it as much as you did, Dave. Uh, and Jeff, I think you're saying even as a fan, like the movie doesn't do particular honor to the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're a fan of the game, you're probably not gonna feel like the the movie's really speaking to you. Uh, I, I feel very similar to you guys. Uh, I wasn't as down on the first half as Jeff Kanata was. I think this movie is right down the middle. It's just a right down the middle. You right know, down B, the straightaway. B, yeah. B plus crowd-pleasing sports movie. You know, that's what it is. And it really achieves that. I loved David Harbour's character. I think, honestly, David Harbour is a metaphor for Neil Blomkamp mm-hmm, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy yeah. who used to be great back in the day, and he comes Flame, out of retirement, out. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, hey, no, no one wants this job th- about this project with a racing simulator. And he's <laughs> like, well, I guess uh, you know this is the one chance I have to like distinguish myself in some way. So he takes I guess that... I'll shoot for third place. He's got to get back on the podium, folks. He's got to make it there. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I thought David Harbour played the role really well. It didn't bother me that much that he's not a real character. To me, it's it's a it's all about are they able? If it's a fictional character, if it's an amalgamation of characters, is that character compelling? The answer in the case of David Harbour is yes. I agree. Uh, the answer in the case of Jan Martabara is kind of. Mm-hmm. The answer in the case of Orlando Bloom is not really. <laughs> the answer in the case of 
Yen Martyrboro's love interest is literally didn't need to be in the movie at all. Don't even know why that was a thing. Um, you could have removed that character. There would have been no impact on the film. You got, you got so, to have it's a, for a mainstream movie. You need to have like a love interest driving him. That's like the that's the only reason she's there. Um, his mom is Ginger Spice, so that's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to add on to what Devendra said about the racing scenes. They have a really difficult task before them, which is mm-hmm. uh, some of these races last hours. Some of them last twenty four hours. How are you going to make that thrilling and interesting? And the movie does an okay if, job of it. I if think only it, there was a a, a, path, a technique that had been used in literally every other sports movie through the history of time that could somehow give you both information, <laughs> drama, and context. Maybe put a put a memorable song behind it, right? How about using the announcers, the people who are calling the game for television audiences who literally provide all those things mm-hmm. to a television viewer at home. This movie, for some reason, has no interest in doing that. The, I, a, I didn't mind that. Two very small yeah. moments where they use mm-hmm. the an- announcers. But most most movies like this will have the announcer be like, well, here's the... Because those people are doing that anyway, and it's authentic to the experience, they do that for home audiences. They go... You know, they tell you the story of these racers. They tell you what the 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 story of the current state of the race. Oh, he's in third place. He's moved up from fifth. You know, the, all of that stuff is what an announcer does. And this movie just stubbornly refuses to use them, and I don't understand it. It's My, I mean that's that's a choice. I, I will yeah, say straight I, up, I, like I I didn't miss that because you were in the perspective of the racers and being on the track. So. You hear the guy in your radio headset. You'll hear, you know, what they pipe in, but you do not hear what's happening from the announcers I, or anything. I, I, yeah. I also didn't mind. You know, my guess is they had good, re- you know, they, yeah, they yeah. probably had good reasons for it. You know, um, here's one. Uh, there's tons of race cars on the track. You know, they all do- look the same. Dozens yeah. and dozens of race cars, and it's like maybe with the announcer, it would introduce too many characters into them. You know, who knows? But mm-hmm. um, I think they did okay in in terms of. Uh, how they conveyed progress in these races. Basically, there'll be times where it's like lap 26, five hours left to go, three hours left to, you know, uh, rank fourth place, rank third, you know, and the, and um, I have to say overall, the car racing scenes look great in this film. Didn't they uh, use some of the tech from like Top Gun to shoot some of the cars too? I seem to recall reading that somewhere. I have to look into that. I don't know about that, but they definitely yeah. use a lot of first person drone footage. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they've, they've claimed that there's very few VFX used. Obviously some VFX are used, but a lot of the car, wh- whatever effects are used, it looks like they actually went out and raced real cars. Like yeah. it, it does it look very like visceral. Even yeah. if there is CG, it looks yeah. largely realistic. It, and it's shot in a way we've really never seen it. You know, there's lots of, racing movies, Days of Thunder, et cetera. But having the drone shots kind of like moving in different angles yeah. to where the cars are moving, exactly, it really yeah. did look cool and dynamic. My big problem with what you just described, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but my big problem with what you described about like hour 14, place five, whatever, is like there's literally no information as to what changed between right. being in position eight and being in position five. Like what... Isn't everybody trying to get into position five? What is our hero doing differently 
that's allowing them to move up through the race. It, it, there's literally no context given for that at all. Well, I think there's a reason why there aren't that many more racing movies, Jeff. You know, it's like, it's a fairly uncinematic sport in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like with uh, basketball, it's like, oh, you can see here are the plays that led to them getting eight more points, right? In racing, it's like, oh, he took a turn or took two turns a little bit faster than the other guy. And that's what, you know, I think that yeah. I think that completely discounts why there are millions of fans of racing. Absolutely, right? Those absolutely. people watch those races with with the knowledge base required to understand the intricacies. And this movie could have welcomed me, a layman, into that knowledge base. It could have given me a glimpse as to what those people see in racing that makes it so dramatic for them. And the movie just is not interested in giving me that information. I completely agree with you. That's why I said they did okay. I don't, I don't think they yeah. did great, you know, but I don't think it was terrible because the visceral thrills are still pretty good. Like the, the shots of cars moving quickly, that's pretty good. Could have been better. Could have done what Jeff did, Jeff describes. And I agree with you. That's really thrilling when a movie does that. It's like, hey, you don't know anything about this world, but we're going to like welcome, we're going to tell you like, here are the things you can, you don't know anything about the world of badminton, but here's like what a good badminton play looks like, you know? Right. Like, and then you're like, you are like, oh, wow. Now I have opinions about what's good badminton and badminton. Right. You know, like, yeah. that's, that's a fun, enjoyable movie. Yeah. This, this movie you just watched really the good. Slam Dunk movie. And I feel like that series is known for being like, hey, here's bad. Here are some interesting things about basketball you've never thought about, right? Yeah. Well, that movie also does literally what I just described, mm -hmm. which is yes. it can show you how they got more points. It, like literally how they, how they got more points. So anyway, um, so overall, sounds like none of us hated this movie. Nor did any of us love it, but it's like very competent film. And if this means more Neil Blomkamp movies, then I'm not opposed because I think he still clearly has some skills. So let's do a few spoilers starting right now. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth. Inconceivable. I came here tell you how it's going to begin look i know that most of these characterizations are contrivances for the movie but i still got a little bit emotional when jaiman hunsu you know and you know yan marlboro and his father like kind of so embraced at the end it's like mm, the really when he me. points at the helmet and, yeah. and she sees the sticker i got i got misty it I'll is it. basic screenwriting you know it's like hey we seeded this thing in they come from this rough working class background where they work with their hand. You know, like it's very basic. Except it's that not... his dad's a soccer player. Yeah. yeah his yeah. dad was a soccer star. <laughs> his brother's soccer a, player. Yeah. yeah. Another it's one. Not, it's not, a, it's not like a super mm -hmm. complex, you know, class commentary or anything like yeah. that. But, but it, Jamon Hansu really sends, sells it. Yeah, it know? got the job done. It got I the job done. I wish he was yeah. in movies more than to be that guy, to have that crucial, you know, moment for our lead, which seems to be everywhere he appears. Um, so yeah, I wish, I wish he had more than that. I'm also surprised the parents just didn't, yeah, I, I'm sure real life was different, but they they were they. I think in real life, yeah, parents would probably show up for that first race or for, for some there's of those. There's video races. of them. Yeah, there's video online you can see of them being super proud of their son for winning mm -hmm. the, yeah. the the academy. It's like it's not at all how it went down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the most controversial elements of the film is that in the in real life. Uh, there was a freak accident that resulted in the death of a bystander. It wasn't um, before he did Le Mans. Exactly. Though. That's right. <laughs> so in, in the film, that tragic death is moved to before he raced at Le Mans and is used as, 
important character development. Mm. Some people find this pretty tasteless, you know, to yeah, remove a real life a tragic death and use it as character development in a film. Uh, I, I probably agree, you know, like that's kind of where I come down on it is like, that's probably, probably pretty tasteless, know. I, you know, but I think it, the way he, he describes it in real life is that it was character development for him. Like he did have mm-hmm. a crisis of, do I continue on my actions led to someone's death and, and it, it, it's time shifted, but I think the details of it are not, there's a lot of details in this movie that are not accurate to real life, but yeah. I think they, mm-hmm. they really kept with the details of how that crash happened. Like I'm surprised yeah. they even like confronted it, like even trying yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah well, evidently I, if you, his interviews, you know, the real life, uh, Jan's interviews have said he is the one who insisted that it was in the movie because he thought it was such a big part of his life. So I mean, fair. it was a character yeah, moment yeah. for him. Right. That's, that, that's fair enough, Jeff. Um, I think, um, uh, maybe part of my I, I, I'm kind of on the borderline about it, you know. I, I think part of my reaction comes from the fact that like the movie's like a pretty rote, yeah, uh, plot. You know, it's a very like very standard, you know, success. Oh, setback, and then and then to, to plug someone's real life death, yeah, I in feel there really bad in a way that family. wasn't accurate. You know, does feel yeah. a little icky. They but never I, say the name of the bystander, but you know, if they were your friend or your family member, you know? Yeah. Well, the um, other crash too, and it does not result in a death in the movie, but mm-hmm. the other crash that happens in training, I think that's completely fictional. Mm-hmm. If as far, so far as I could find. And every single of the other characters in the Academy with him is completely fictional. <laughs> um, so, and, and, yeah. and when he finally did race Le Mans, it wasn't an all video game team. They had a, mm-hmm experienced racer on the Le Mans. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to get more upset about, I think, than, than <laughs> yeah. that, but. It's just yeah, funny that fair. this movie literally has a Cobra Kai team and they drive gold cars. I know, it's right? It's amazing. <laughs> it's, they, yeah. can tra- they try to sweep the leg in this movie. Yeah. They yeah. did. Um, but hey, guys, at the, you know, it's pretty impressive that, uh, like, this actually happened in real life, you know? It's, that, still, it's that, a crazy that, story. That, yeah. That yeah. somebody was actually the, able the to achieve it. The wizard was right. Yeah. And it, One and day it you is, give her up. Yeah. It is a stirring endorsement of how much of a simulation this is, right? right. I think that is really cool. Oh, that was a thing, that was a thing, Jeff, that like I, I, I wanted to mention, which is the, the movie does have this scene where he says, hey, the brakes. He was able yes. to identify the issue with yes. the brakes, right? That, yes, I thought and, that was pretty no, well done. I, yeah. I, 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 I would I, love I, to know what that meant. Like, I, I, he says yep. the the break breaks um glazed. We're glazed. Yeah, the glazed. I'm like, I have yeah. no fucking idea what that means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, to me, that was the movie kind of nodding mm-hmm. in the direction of what you're. It's not doing what you're saying. I'm right. not saying it's it's a replacement for what you're saying, but it's nodding in the direction of that the game gives you abilities to detect sure. things that are actually useful in the real world. Now, but if yeah, I if, if yeah. it had spent one half of a second more and Agreed. explained to me what glazed breaks yes. are, yes. I agree. It would have been it would have been a richer, better movie. I, I agree. I agree. But um, but it it wasn't like no one was thinking about it at all. It was just they didn't they didn't quite go far enough in that. Direction. I give them. I award them zero points, yeah, points for half. half and may God have mercy it. on their soul. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The one thing I <laughs> I left the movie with a lot more questions though than than I than answers. Right. Like, hey, if this is such a successful thing, why aren't they doing it all the time? You know, like. Well, also, um, you know, he was probably economic realities that prevented from yeah. happening. Right? Well, like what, yeah. Nissan decided not to sponsor it anymore because they reallocated their their funds. But it stopped in twenty fifteen, I think, uh, twenty eighteen. Um, but uh, so, you know, Jan was not the first person to win the GT Academy. I think he was the fifth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he he was the third in Europe and the fifth overall to win, I think. But also the guy who won it the first time placed higher at Le Mans before Jan did. Mm-hmm. He got second place at Le Mans before Jan ever raced Le Mans. So, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that in real life. Not as Can you imagine <laughs> being that guy and then watching this movie? You'd be so pissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember you know, watching. Like, if you place the podium in Le Mans, you're immortal unless you've done it before this movie and no one wants to mention <laughs> and it. And no anymore. one mentions it. <laughs> I remember uh, I was watching Norm MacDonald's comedy special, Hitler's Dog, on Netflix. And he was saying how when the guys went up to uh, space, like Neil Armstrong and Buzz, they went up to space. And there's another guy in the capsule that went all the way up with them, didn't get to walk on the moon, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine going yeah. on? That, that's like that guy. It's like the, he did the thing. Didn't get the movie made about him though. You know, he he was the one. Yeah. So yeah, he did all of it. Yeah. It is odd to me that they didn't. Um, I, I just left me with a lot of questions. Like in other sports, right? Like scouts. I, I I know because I watched the Amazon original film Air. But like scouts, they go to like high schools and they're like checking out like who's gonna be the next Michael Jordan. It's like. Wouldn't it be useful to see who's really good? If this is really a legitimate yes. pipeline for talent, wouldn't people be still doing this? Or why aren't they? Why are they? Doing this? There's probably realities that make that impossible. But like the movie doesn't explain any of that. That you was know? another so, thing yeah. that you know they're like, um, you know, there's all of this uh, prejudice against the the video gamers presented in the movie. The, the the establishment doesn't like these gamers coming in. And trying to, you know, we're going to sabotage the gamers and all the, the mechanics aren't going to like you because you're a gamer, which, you know, on a certain level, I understand. But on another level, I wish the movie gave me any information to contextualize that too, because I go, well, okay, so we have this kid who is a racer and hates him because he's a gamer, but like, how did he start? Right. I would love to know. How does one get into this if not trying simulators? Right. Yeah. Do you just buy a car and start you know how, yeah how does it we literally don't we have no idea we're st- no, we have idea. no idea the movie gives you no information <laughs> that's my problem with it yeah. it's like yeah. it's ridiculous anyway mm-hmm. all right folks any other thoughts on gran turismo before we wrap it up uh Bl- blomkamp did it happy two coming next <laughs> let's make it happen i hated all the i literally hated all of the things that he that blomkamp did to make it make racing and gaming coalesce and it, like it it just felt like such unnecessary effort to cgi it's, all it's, the stuff i agree unnecessary but also at least he had a vision i could see somebody <laughs> okay. doing this movie and being like i don't care like just, just <laughs> like here's here's a race here's a video game screen yeah. i'm not gonna go through the extra effort to do this real-time overlay of a car over somebody driving in a simulator or something yeah i i, I and, you know jeff i think it is like you and me, we want the information about like why Gran Turismo is so special. But if you can deliver that with a really wildly CG image of him driving a, a video game vehicle and it becoming the real one, for most people, that'll probably be good enough, man. I, I think it just it just strikes me as being something that was from a different era when people just didn't understand how video games were. You know, and you had to really show them, look, he's actually driving a car, you know? I, I felt it was more like, <laughs> that's the mental state of the guy. It didn't feel yeah. like, you know, yeah. this is a game. It's more like when you put on that VR headset, Jeff, and you play Gran Turismo 7, it's incredible. It's like you're I think in a car. A, I think there's yeah. a lot of people who who still do feel like, 
There yes. is a not yes. insubstantial number of people in the movie-going audience who still have that standoffish attitude about video games, you know, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's I a get, huge I generational guess, divide. And this yeah. movie is for them, you know? Yeah. This movie's for them. It it's is. not for that us. That part right? where it exploded into the individual parts of the car was cool. I like yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. But that was a kind of a different thing. All right, folks. Well, at the end of the day, and I say this very sincerely, it is impressive that Neil Blomkamp made a movie and I uh, hope he makes another one soon because uh, I, I, you know, anyone who has the greatness of District 9 within them is probably sure. capable of other great things as well. So, like, yeah, I, I hope he works with better scripts moving forward. I feel like that, that you got to marry these visuals with something with better well, th- words. This know? is the first time he made a movie that he didn't write, right? Yes. Like, this is so, so, and it's, and it's one of his best movies. It's one of his best movies. So, so you know, uh, that, I think this is he, what I'm saying. A better script than this one. How about that? But not him <laughs> writing again, please. Fair, fair enough. Up. Anyway, um, yep. solid film, Gran Turismo. That's the Filmcast review of it. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slicefilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from the Midnight and Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper, Weekly Plugs Music, and Dave's B-Movies theme song comes from Noah Ross. Uh, video assistance provided by Kurt Mega. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. As I mentioned, uh, we are going to be doing a rebroadcast of our conversation about the William Friedkin movie Sorcerer. It's available right now on video on demand. Check it out. It's one of the my, one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, have you seen Sorcerer, by the way? It's possible that I have not. I, th- mm. I think I have not. I know. You would I remember I, if you saw I literally it. just watched yeah. it again this week. It is yeah. incredible in my opinion. It's, it's amazing. Not. Maybe so I'll, I'll would, have to watch that in spirit with you guys. I would strongly recommend it. Um, but yeah, it's a rebroadcast and Devinger and I will be doing commentary on it. One last thing. Uh, I know people are going to be asking and so we'll, uh, I'll repeat this later on. We will be doing a review of Bottoms. It's going to be coming out later in September. Uh, but we have some, When more we have people some, can see it. Too. Yeah, when more people yeah. can see it. So uh People will be asking, where's the Bottoms review? It will be coming out later. But next week, we're going to be taking a break. We're going to be doing a rebroadcast of Sorcerer. It's a great conversation. We hope you'll enjoy it. And uh, we hope you will have a restful Labor Day that's full of refreshment. Until next time, see you later. Goodbye.